Hey everyone, before we get into the B&B this week, I just want to give a quick heads up that we experienced a good amount of technical difficulties this week, which resulted in a decrease in audio quality overall, starting at about three or so minutes into the podcast. Murphy's Law is mentioned, and that very much applied over the course of this podcast. I don't know, maybe I'll pull an Abby Maria and just blame RC, but apologies about that. Hopefully you still enjoy this week's podcast. I think we had a very fun time breaking down episode eight of Survivor Philippines. But I just want to let you know in advance. Take it away. Will from America. Mike and Liana gather playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana gather playing some games. Hi everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode 8 of Survivor Philippines. My name is Mike Bloom. We are stepping out of our B&B phone booth to continue our travel through time as we dote upon an episode Dead Man Walking, that is, unlike the title, Full of Life. One of the most, to loosely quote Jeff Probst here, entertaining and chaotic tribal councils in Survivor history. We're going to get into it all, but of course, I am not alone, unlike Penner at the beginning of this episode. I am, of course, joined by the co-owner of the B&B, Liana Boris, and I am on pins and needles like an expectant child on Christmas morn to see what Philippines pun Liana Boris has come up with. Well, here's what I will say. There was no filler in this episode of Survivor Philippines. Oh, my God. Did not disappoint. I mean, you could have gone in another direction. You could have said uh, there's not enough male nudity in this episode. There were no peens in this episode of Survivor Philippines, but I will accept the cleaner option. (laughs) Oh, that's much better. (laughs) No, I was trying to get ahead of the game because I knew I was going to be busy. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the episode. We're recording on a Saturday, okay? I rewatched the episode on Tuesday. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this in here for now and then I'll come up with something better later. Unfortunately, later never happened. And so here we are. Yeah, that always ends up being the case, right? The the placeholder text, the, oh, we can revise this line later, never ends up actually being revised. Very excited to get into this episode, Liana. We have a lot of fun stuff, but I know other podcasters happen to be looking through our files and found the games for this week. So, frankly, I'm not sure if I just need to hold them up. Ooh, yeah, I guess that's the question is, will you show them? Or are you going to keep them hidden? Because I think this was a lot of show and don't tell kind of deals in this tribal council. I mean, it was literally show and tell. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like they literally showed the idol and then told everybody about the idol. I guess it's like show and tell and don't use. Yeah, that would be a very different show and tell class if you then had to like do something else with your item. Like, if you brought your cat and then, like, you throw your cat at someone. I don't know. Is that a thing? Do people bring cats to show and tell? 
It's show and tell and weaponize, right? <laughs> Whatever you bring in must be used as a projectile weapon to attack the other kids in the class. When we do indeed have our giant battle royale at the end of the year, because this is now the school system we live in. Mm, I mean, that makes sense. It's all it's all going to hell in a handbasket anyway. So why not turn everyone's show and tell item into some sort of, um, I don't know, weapon for the apocalypse, I suppose. Get a lot of dead men walking out there. I, I'm really excited to talk about this episode, Liana. Ever since I first watched this episode, this has always been one of my favorites in Survivor, particularly this tribal council, which, again, I'll say, you know, we have obviously had more quote unquote live tribals in the years since. But there was something about at the time watching all this chaos unfold between both idols being revealed and not played to, you know, Penner in the moment jockeying for a deal. Lisa also trying to jockey for a deal to like this pretty close yet chaotic vote where Jonathan Penner, who's the front and center man in this entire episode, ends up completely screwing it up for his one time enemy, Jeff Kent. What what did you think about this episode? What are your thoughts about Philippines in general? Because, I mean, you did not come until the RH onto the RHAP scene until after Philippines aired outright during its time. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Philippines. Um, you know, I wasn't crazy about the whole idea of having three people kind of come back as captains. But I think the fact that it gave us such fun characters, especially people that then, you know, we see come back, um, people like Malcolm, people like Abby, you know, lover or hater. She's still an interesting character to watch. Um, and, and because I think also someone like Lisa, who I like, you know, I remember watching the season being like, wait, is that the she's from facts of life right and then just being like what is she doing at survivor and then to see her play such a big role and go so far was like just very mind-blowing so all in all it was just such a fascinating season with such fascinating characters and i think this episode also stands out as being one of those episodes that's just like what is going on yeah i am a ginormous fan of survivor philippines i feel like it's also one of the more underratedly important seasons of survivor you know i feel like there's a lot of discourse nowadays about okay are we in the deck the second dark age of survivor where it's you know 34 35 36 38 and 39 and i feel like when we're going back to what people call the first dark age much like david versus goliath was the exception in that batch so has philippines been the exception here where it's like 21 22 23 24 426 are all uh, mm-hmm. so so to subpar seasons and you know it really came at a great time they had just come off of three seasons where they were pretty much you know straight pagongings and alliance of five that's made on day one steamrolls their way to the end and the stuff that they instituted ended up paying off really really well down the line i mean let's remember that philippines was the first time since season eight they had three tribes and then after that they did three tribes like every other season for a while so it really shows how good that breakdown was but man i love this cast this is one of those casts to me that like not everyone is a star but i feel like everyone has a role to play like either they get their time in the spotlight or they're serving as some sort of role in another person's story i mean yeah there are people like artists or carter but even they sort of have their moments. And again, that stands starkly in contrast to the previous few seasons where, I mean, the season after Heroes versus Villains was where the purple t- uh, term was coined. And after that, it really did seem like they were concentrating on highlighting a few select people's stories and just pushing everyone else to the background. Maybe it's because the the show realized the strength in the cast of Philippines. But this really felt like the first time in a while when 
they were able to trust in the 18 people out there to really showcase them in some way. And that even reflected in this episode where, yeah, Jonathan Penner and Lisa Welcher are really the big two figures of this episode. But I feel like we heard from nearly everybody, whether it's talking about, you know, Abby or talking about the situation or talking about Jeff Kent or Scoopin. It felt like everyone had uh, a say on the matter, which, in my opinion, is how a survivor story should be told. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I really don't like it when it's so one sided uh, when like you have someone I mean, obviously, like a Russell Hans, like getting so many confessionals. Um, but this felt it felt even but it felt even with a purpose. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. for including all of these confessionals. It's not just like, oh, well, I guess we have to give someone else a confessional. We're trying to like spread things out. Like it really felt like the story was being told from all these different lenses through all of these very interesting characters. And maybe it's because they they cast all of these people who can give great confessionals and who are such entertaining people. Um, but I, I actually thought when we, I first started the episode, I was like, oh, this is kind of like the Drew Christie boot episode. But then it steps away, you know, because Jeff Kent is like getting all these confessionals right at the beginning. But then it steps yeah. away from that and then it starts to tell it through everybody else's lens. And I think that that's really cool. Um, and so it's just this this episode, I think, really represents what the season is at large because it's able to do all of those different things. And I think also it's a bit of a microcosm in the role of our eventual winner in Denise, who definitely seems to be top of mind for those of us that just finished season 40, right? Where Mm -hmm. it's actually a very similar thing where Denise has this big storyline pre-merge in Survivor 40. It was her being the Queen Slayer. Obviously in Philippines, it was her surviving every single tribal council. But both of these, both this episode and season 40 sort of show that post-merge, she's like a very solid, reliable player where she will not necessarily be the spotlight too much, but she does wield a lot of focus and attention Mm -hmm. where they do go to her a few times. And, you know, luckily uh, her fate goes a bit differently than getting purpled in the finale like it did during season 40. But it was interesting to sort of find Denise in a bit of a similar position, at least from a portrayal perspective. And again, shows when you play Survivor, there's only so much you can step outside of your own personality, as is the case with, Mm -hmm. you know, Abby Maria, which is very present in this episode as well. Yeah, I it was so fun watching Denise play uh, again, like now having seen her in Winners at War. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is why I loved you so much. Like, yes, of course, who didn't love Malcolm? But I, like I loved Denise. I just I was so inspired by her. I was like, I want to be Denise when I grow up. <laughs> and I just had Kim Spradlin in One World. So like, not going to lie, these two That's seasons, true. I know One World like gets a bad rap, but I love her. So these two seasons back to back or these are my fave. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and on top of that you know sophie winning 23 that's just like a great string and apparently according to all these myriad deep dives like those three were really close together as well so it's like it's, it's a streak that you really want to be a part of it's, it's a clubhouse that you want to hang out with and play some cards in though you know that denise is gonna like if you're playing in a poker tournament denise is going to lay low never be the chip leader but somehow end up at the final table yeah exactly that's just like in my dreams still the three of them run the table in winners at war and i am i like sometimes choose to live in that world oh my god oh my god okay speaking of dreams so remember how we talked about dreams the other day and you were like yeah i had the dream where you were like were you playing survivor with your son or something or Mm -hmm. matt no i was playing a secret h secret secret, yes 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 okay all right great so i had a dream I had a dream last night and I very vaguely remember the dream, but I talked to Puya in my sleep and I told him apparently seal 
<laughs> like a musical artist. Okay. Like not, not the, the animal. Not the animal. Not well. I mean, I mean, it would make sense if it's the latter, right? Because I basically played a bunch of animal sounds in your ear uh, for you know to no end last week. Well, that's why I clarified. I didn't, want, I didn't want anyone to get confused. No, it was him as the leopard from the Mass Singer, and he saved my life. <laughs> in my dream but i don't remember why but i in the middle of the night i like because Pootie came to bed and i was like i had to tell him something and i was like seal saved my life we have to name our baby after him <laughs> <gasps> what yeah, <laughs> and we apparently told me I don't remember this. He was like, OK, well, we'll talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I can say from Angela's perspective, that's the thing you want to do is like placate your sleepwalking partner. Don't much like sleepwalking, like don't make them believe that what they're saying is weird. Just be like, yes, yes, dear. Go back to sleep. We'll talk about this tomorrow. But I mean, I guess that's locked in. Is Seal Rumpelstiltskin, Liana? Has he promised the name of your first child, you know, since he saved your life? I don't know. Rumble steel skin. Steel <laughs> skin. I don't know what sound would that make. I didn't. I didn't get the sound. Ah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh my god, that reminded me of that. It was so weird. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm definitely not gonna name my baby Seal, but you know, I don't know. There's some good names from this cast. Maybe, maybe I'll pull from. Do we know? We know that like you know, babies were named after Colby in the past. Was there like mm-hmm. a surge of babies named Malcolm? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure because I know that Malcolm was really like the resident golden child for some time. I'll always remember when he got voted off in Karamoan and that clip went viral, like 2013 mm-hmm. viral, but still viral of <laughs> melting down when Malcolm got voted out. So maybe there were I don't know. I feel like Survivor, though, had not had as many viewers as it did back in Australia and Outback. So there just wasn't enough of like a permeation where if people did indeed name their kids after Malcolm. They did not let anyone know about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess it's coming around full circle. We talked. I think we talked about uh, on one of the B&Bs during season 40, the person who named their child Boston Rob. So maybe it's coming back around. Maybe this series, Liana, will help bring out some baby names. Uh, San Seal to people that are looking <laughs> yeah. to possibly name their child after a survivor. Great. Well, that's what I'm saying. I have to figure out another name to justify since, you know, how am I going to explain to Seal if I run into him one day and he's going to be like, why you said you were going to name your baby after me? And then I have to be like, OK, yeah, but like so and so was the the golden child of Survivor. And like, I need could to name do, my daughter. Something, yeah, I mean, give your daughters on the first name like Sam and then make their middle name Eel. And then you could uh, do like an S dot eel thing. So you'd be like, it counts. <laughs> it's just not outright. Like it's, it, it takes a little bit of focus, which is good. Cause don't you want more detail oriented people to be paying attention to the name than just your flag of the run jamokes who don't know, who glance at the names and move on your substitute teachers of the world. <laughs> What's flag of the run? I don't know. <laughs> like run of the, no run of yep, the mill. I was thinking run of the mill. <laughs> but for some reason I said, flag of the run <laughs> i well, think i was okay. thinking of i like mixed up like fly by night run, run in the mill <laughs> and of- somehow a flag got in there somehow 
That's okay. You're not the sharpest marble in the barrel. It's fine, you know, Mike. We were, we were like ten minutes in, and I'm like, you know what? This is relatively normal. I feel like when Leon and I are on together, it doesn't re- you know we haven't really gotten weird yet. And then in the course of five minutes, it just all completely fell apart. I don't know how we got on the subject of dreams, but it reminded me. And, and no, we're not talking dreams from Fiji, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, here we are. Oh, okay. Speaking of Malcolm, I will say, and look, first of all, I'm not a Malcolm hater. Despite what people may paint me as, I love Malcolm. I love Malcolm in Philippines. Uh, not that much Malcolm this episode, except for I loved him randomly tucking the napkin into his buff when he's eating on the reward. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was really funny. It was like kind of in the background ish. Maybe Yeah, he, he looked yeah. like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. The groups that went on the rewards um, versus the group that had to stay home, because what was it? It was I know I wrote it down somewhere. Jeff, Denise, Lisa, Penner and Malcolm that mm-hmm. all went on the reward together, uh, which I think Malcolm describes as a good versus evil dynamic of the two different <laughs> sides. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, Malcolm. I mean, and I can't remember if this is I mean, this is probably before he ends up describing Abby as a dementor. So, like, he's only warming up his metaphor machine right now in terms of painting this trio as evil. But, yeah, I could imagine this is probably a situation where they did schoolyard pick. Right. Because you'd have to imagine that trio would pick each other. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know people are outright picking Abby except for her friends just because of her knee. So it, it makes sense that it wound up being this, but end up working out really well, at least in the moment, you know, to try to figure out what seemed like one of three trillion plans going on in this episode of like, well, Scoobin's going to go next. Well, why don't we all join together and flip to get rid of Pete? This is also super interesting because, you know, Jeff ends the episode by saying this is one of the most blown opportunities in Survivor history. But Jeffy Pop Probes might have spoke a little too soon because the next episode is when Scoopin and Lisa do indeed flip on the trio and vote out artists. So even though like their plan gets foiled this time, the seed was very firmly planted this episode. Yeah, I wrote that down because even the description. So I went to go watch it when I was rewatching on Hulu and the description of the episode said in one of the most complicated and entertaining tribal councils ever. So they literally um, quoted Jeff Probst from that. Yeah. He does say that in tribal council. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, a brutally honest conversation leads to surprising revelation. So that was the episode description on Hulu, which I thought was particularly interesting. Um, but yeah, it just kind of got me thinking about, OK, what? OK, now what is is the most complicated and entertaining tribal council ever. I mean, complicated, you probably have to go with one of the whisper tribal councils, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the most entertaining. Like, is this the intersection of those two, those two like descriptors? I don't know. I I feel like, well, I do agree that obviously though the whispers have gone a bit overboard, especially in season 40. I do feel like still like the pilots versus passengers, Julia boot. Mm. Maybe it's because there was so much airtime that we at least got a sense as to like the course of actions instead of just whisper, whisper, whisper that I do feel like there was still a hefty amount of entertainment to it that it didn't necessarily just make us completely flummoxed and confused as opposed to what was it when Tyson went home for the second time in season 40, where that was just straight up confusing and chaotic. So I I would still personally give it up to the Julia boot, though. I know that the word entertaining, like you said, is a very loaded term considering how much people are just very against the idea of whispering tribal councils nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the whispering at tribal council can be entertaining. What was the one where they included the subtitles or like had more subtitles? Yeah, so that was a more recent one. I'm trying to remember that might have been. 
I think it wasn't one of the winners at Wars, was I it? Think, I, I think it was maybe the the Kim boot, I want to say. I think, yeah, yeah the, I, perhaps. Yeah, probably the Kim boot. Anyway, the point is, is that I think, I mean, I think the whispering can work, you know, as long as like the audience has a sense of what's going on, even right. just a little bit, because when it's just confused and then you're just like, well, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I don't care about this, because if you're not going to tell me if, if you're not going to tell me what's going on, then I don't care about what's going on. And that's well, yeah, my no. sassy response. Well, it's the equivalent of like overhearing a conversation on the subway, right? Like you don't necessarily know what the context is and so you don't have a full picture of what's happening and so as because the thing is outside of that you know survivor is usually pretty good at painting the direction of like what people's true motives are whether they're lying to somebody or whether they're being truthful to them but because there's so much going on at a tribal council and we only hear so many snippets of conversations you really don't know okay who's lying to who what's the true plan and as a result it just becomes that much more confusing like you said, they did add subtitles during the Kim Tribal Council, so I hope this is a step in the right direction. I, again, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll just copy what I said last week about the Sarah Tribal Council and Kagayan that it's so fun to watch, you know, Jeff in his, uh, I don't even know, like, it's not a pubertic stage, but I guess in an earlier stage being like, my God, this is so crazy when it's like by nowadays standards, it is so mild mannered. It's so flag of the run to just have people sit there and like openly campaign for each other at tribal council. Yeah, right. Like, I, you know, so I didn't read the description. I remember it being an exciting episode, but then I read that and I watched the tribal council. I was like, I mean, yeah, like it's fun, but it's not like the most exciting ever, you know. Um, but I think that that's because it's an evolution, right? I mean, this is yeah. 25. We have 15 more seasons that happen after this, um, you know, that we can we can see how things evolve. But I really do love the comparison to the conversation on the subway, because if you can hear enough, you're like super intrigued. <laughs> mm -hmm. and you really want to know what's happening and then you're like you're going to pick a side but you only have half the information and it's so dramatic so yeah you do need that like that enough of a hook to draw you in all right well let's start getting into our games here and maybe we'll throw in some some philippines talk along the way and speaking of the philippines so obviously this was the first of i believe four seasons in a row to reside in the philippines and of course, we have a great listener of the podcast and frequent contributor to the RHAP universe, John John. I believe, uh, you know, his family is from the Philippines or he has a descent uh, from people in the Philippines. And so he decided to send me and subject you, Liana, to Philippines 101. And here's how it works. I just have a quick multiple choice quiz for you so we can all learn a little bit more about the series of islands that these people are playing on. And, you know, uh, all the the life and culture they subjected themselves to for two straight years on Survivor. All right. Come through education. Let's learn a thing or two. Exactly. You know what? It, it's sort of back to school season. That's a very uh, contentious <laughs> term nowadays. So let's, oh, my God. We'll, we'll Dude, get the ball no. rolling. Mike, I got okay. I bought a notebook. The the okay, they're one subject notebooks. To be fair, they were twenty five cents at the store. Wow, you were twenty five. That's cents. crazy. Yeah, now that's you're, you're now you're talking like like paper metal ring like yeah. folder in the front type of folders. Yeah, like oh, uh, oh well, they're notebooks. But yeah, um, it's where I take all my B&B &B notes. Like I write stuff down. I keep scores for everything. Like, let's see. We can scroll back. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let's go through the annals of history. 
All right. I have Swappity Doodle and it's a quote from Mike. Oh, great. So you said Swappity Doodle at one point in time. <laughs> I don't know uh, exactly what that means. Yeah, nothing like a nice said. out of context time capsule where you're like, all right, we we buried this 15 years ago. Let's dig it up. I don't remember who said this or what it was about. <laughs> I don't remember at all. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah. So this is the notebook that has also pony tots that I think we talked mm. about the other day. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of classics in here. Were you or are you? Are you like a three subject notebook person? Do you used to be like a five subject notebook person? Ooh, so that's challenging because I always wanted to be efficient and carry the least amount of stuff. However, right. if you ran out of paper in one subject of the notebook, then you had to get a whole nother notebook for that subject. And then you couldn't put all the notes from that one subject together. So because of needing to want to be uh, flexible and mix and match, I typically did one per subject matter. In fact, I still have all of my notebooks from college. With everything in them. So if you ever want to learn about the basics of engineering, fundamental engineering principles, we can go back to 2009 and do some digging. Who needs a degree when you've got Liana's notebooks? <laughs> That's right. A separate spiral notebook per subject. Yeah, you don't need a BA. You can get a B&B from, from Liana. <laughs> oh, my God. <gasps> That's what we have to do. Mike, we have to offer degrees, uncredited degrees from the B&B. I don't know what our majors we, we would offer. Um, bad punnery 101. Um, I'm just very glad there's recorded footage now of us coming up with a scam on air. <laughs> <laughs> No one will ever know. No one will ever know about our secret scheming. <laughs> yeah. It's like coming up with an MLM or a Ponzi scheme, like in a recorded medium for everyone oh, to hear. Too soon, Liana. It's too close to home for one of these contestants we're talking Ooh. about this week. <laughs> ouch. Which, by the way, well, speaking of ouch, uh, I love that he doesn't wear a shirt to tribal council. And you could still sort of, I don't know if you remember, but there was a challenge, I think, where like, uh, he got injured pretty badly and like scuffed up his skin pretty badly. And you could still see like the patch of skin healing on his shoulder. So maybe he can't wear a shirt because he has to air it out. But I always think it's an interesting choice when people don't wear shirts at tribal council. Well, if you come to B&B &B University, you can take a class on Survivor Injuries 101. <laughs> That's yeah, I think that's an important degree. You know what? I'm I'm in on this. Let's let's start making up fake degrees. You know what? The fall is going to be a long, long off season. Like if people want to, to apply to our school, uh, we'll we'll bring in some professors. You know what? We did have a whole series of things during season 39, right, where people taught certain subjects. I think we could wrestle together as staff and make this thing happen. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is definitely possible. It's, you know, people are still at home, right? They want to make some extra cash in our scheme. <laughs> so, I mean, our totally legitimate yeah, don't, business don't venture. Scheme. <laughs> also, wait, how are people? Oh, OK, I was going to say, how are people making money if they're if they're paying for the degree? <laughs> well, you know, I don't look, I, I I don't know how business works. OK, like the, people make money. Yeah. All right. You're an idea person, not a business <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah, I'm an idea person. I'm not a doer person. OK. All right. Well, let's let's get into some Philippine trivia here. Question one, which musician is not Filipi of Filipino descent? A, Enrique Iglesias. Two, one of your favorite judges from The Masked Singer, Nicole Scherzinger. C, Fergie. D, Bruno Mars. <laughs> 
<laughs> like how far back are we talking? What what do you mean? Oh well I'm assuming that's in their it's in their family tree, just not one of them. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just sorry, all I can think of is my 23andMe or whatever, my ancestry.com, uh, that was like, no, you're just white. Like you don't even have the like one percent or two percent of something that's somewhat exotic. Like, nah, sorry, buddy. Like you're just yeah, white. So Eliana Boris would also be correct, but unfortunately not an option on this question. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh so I'm pretty sure okay, so Enrique Iglesias, I'm pretty sure is um, and then what were my other three options? It was Fergie. We got Fergie. We got Nikki Nicole. Shares. And I don't know if everyone ever called her that. And Bruno oh. Mars. I have no idea. I'm going to go with Fergie. That is correct. You stumbled oh. into it. Fergie is correct. It's B-N-A-N-A-A-S that she is not, uh, had, does not have any descent in the philippines but that is indeed the correct answer all right yeah well she's the duchess or whatever right she's from london <laughs> oh, <laughs> or whatever what, like that bad Lundy song Bridge. was yeah remember that song <laughs> yeah like very euphemistic like extremely so <laughs> it was such a bad song <laughs> yeah a lot of fergie's music is pretty terrible in the scope of nowadays i'm and sorry that, you know it's lacking basic things like rhythm rhyme complexity um fergalicious was a hit (laughs) (sighs) all right question number two which actor or actress is not of filipino descent rob schneider lin-manuel miranda vanessa ann hudgens or darren chris um okay um I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Darren Chris. I'm sorry, it was Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, gotcha. I was. Um, I must have been getting him and Hamilton confused. Hamilton's also not from the <laughs> Philippines. <laughs> Wait, what was the island that Hamilton? Look, I. <laughs> I like listen. He's from the Caribbean. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> This is why Leon just tuned down when she heard Canada. island. Like, yeah, we get it, Hamilton. I can yeah, fill in the rest. You're on an island somewhere. Does it matter where? Yeah, sure. I remember just... uh, Darren Chris. I believe one of the reasons why he played such a star turn as Andrew Cunanan in uh, American Crime Story is because I believe Andrew Cunanan was also of Filipino descent. And so ah. it was a nice, like, uh, true to life thing for Darren Chris. That's the one of the random things I remember about Darren Chris, who. One time I randomly was watching Darren Chris on my TV and I think it was because he was there was like a hairspray like a uh, live musical uh-huh. and he hosted like the little sideshow of like, wow, wasn't that a great number? All right, we're going to be right back. Get your dancing shoes on. And for some reason, maybe I was just very irascible that night. But when he came on, I yelled at the screen, go away, you little asshole. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. To the point where now we call Darren Chris the little asshole. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so random. That's funny though. I think it's because like he kind of looked like a little asshole. Like he was wearing like he was wearing like you know high tops and like a little like plaid you know plaid shirt tucked in. Like he was a warbler again. 
<laughs> you were opposed to him or his outfit or just the whole aesthetic? He looked like a little asshole. He had a little yeah, asshole okay. look to him in LAL. Screw off, man. Like, let me just watch Hairspray. I don't know. They're not talking about islands, Liana, so I'm not sure how closely you're paying attention to it. <laughs> yeah, it's an island. <laughs> Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right, question number three. Speaking of the islands, they're often formed by volcanoes. <laughs> How many active volcanoes are in the Philippines? A, 10. B, 25. C, 69. D, 96. Uh, I have no... I, I don't even have like a frame of reference of what, like one for me is a lot of active volcanoes. <laughs> so yeah, like, I'm not saying like they didn't say a lot. It just said how many. I mean, that's a lot. Okay. I don't think too many volcanoes. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's 69. What were A and B again? 25 and uh, 10 and 25. 10 and 25. I have no idea. I'm going to go with 25. Uh, 25 is correct. You are just doing a great job guessing blindly here with these volcanoes. 25, a quarter of a hundo volcanoes currently in the Philippines. That is a lot of active volcanoes. Now, is that active volcanoes that have already made? Is an active volcano that makes an island that's like underwater, is that still an active volcano or does it have a different name? Is it like if you have a tsunami? No. A cyclone, a cyclone and a tornado. Like they're the same thing, but one's over water and one's over land. Is that for volcanoes also? No, I think I think volcano is like I think that's the structure. But I think the difference between active and inactive is like if there is actively stuff bubbling on the surface or at the top of the volcano, then it's active. Otherwise, it is inactive. Okay, so even if it's underwater, it can it's still an active volcano. Yeah, I would assume so personally. I mean, we've also heard the term underwater volcano before. So I think even if it's underwater, it's still a volcano. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Good. Well, we'll put put that in the curriculum. We'll, t- we'll teach volcanoes this also. <laughs> no, that's an upper level course, Mike. That's a two hundred one. All right. Oh yeah. Let's let's not you know uh, sell ourselves rush. too short here. All right. Exactly. So I'm so glad you're you love this idea of volcanoes because which volcano is closest to where they film Survivor Philippines? A. Paul. B. Hibuk Hibuk. C. Smith, aka Mount Babuyan, or D Mayon. 
Now, Liana, really dig into your history and knowledge here of Philippine volcanoes to figure out which is the one that was closest to the Karamoan where they filmed Survivor Philippines. Okay, I was like, all right, Liana, let's rational our way through this. And I'm... (laughs) I have no idea. I was like, oh, maybe one of them will be like a tribe name or something like that. So I uh, was going to flip a coin, realized I had no coin, then realized coins only have two sides. (laughs) That's called dice. So I'm going to guess the weird one that was Smith and had another name as well. I'm sorry. The Uh, correct answer was D. Mayon. Ah, is that what I have got? (laughs) Could I have thought of that? Uh, that's a great question i don't think so (laughs) this is not my slumdog millionaire moment all right question five we're moving on to attractions around the philippines which famous tourist attraction was an inspiration to a scene in avengers infinity war a chocolate (laughs) hills b mount apo c benui rice terraces D, the hanging coffins in Sagata. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'm about to be exposed. I've never seen <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Well, first off, that's not the right movie. So <laughs> that just shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I haven't seen the one. Okay. I watch Iron Man 1 and 2. Okay. And then. I think I didn't watch. No, I must have seen like random Avengers movies like hit or miss there. But I I look, come, come, don't at me or at me. I don't know. I'm not an I'm not a, a comic book person. OK, I'm sorry. So I this is just like the previous question. All right. So, yeah, so which location do you think Iron Man was is most likely to visit? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. There was the coffin one. And the one with the uh, hills. <laughs> yep, no? Chocolate Hills. Chocolate Hills. Chocolate sounds hills. Like a, sounds like a Mario Kart level. Yeah, that really, really does. Yeah, Puya, we um we passed one of those um adopt a highway signs, and Puya mm-hmm. was like, "What is this?" Like he didn't understand the concept of adopt a highway, and he's like, "I'm gonna adopt it and name it Rainbow Road." So I'm gonna go with Chocolate Hills. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, it was not Chocolate Hills. Not so sweet of an answer. The Banui Rice Terraces. And I will not spoil where it comes in the movie. Because Liana has not seen Avengers insert movie name here. But suffice <laughs> it to say, it was an inspiration to a scene in the movie. Uh, yes. Oh, I knew that. All right, question number six. Now, obviously, you, of course, know about the small island of Boracay in the Philippines. Who doesn't? Which of these tourist spots is not located on the small island of Boracay? A, the Hanging Bridge. B, Willie's Rock. C, Crystal Cove. D, Pukashell Beach. They also also sounds like uh, Mario Party levels or uh, Double Dash, whatever levels. Um, Yeah. So is this what it feels like when you don't prepare for an exam and then you have to take it and you're just like, dude, I have no idea. Yeah, I actually uh, slipped in the final exam for Volcanoes 201 (laughs) into this where it's just a bunch of random questions about the Philippines. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to go with was it Crystal Cove? 
Yes, Crystal Cove, not to be uh, mixed up with Crystal Cox. Crystal Cove is mm. the incorrect answer. It oh. was indeed the Hanging Bridge, which is not located on Borake, Daliana. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Of course. It's in my notes. It's in my notebook. On. Let's move on to a more universal language. Food. All right. Baby. Filipino cuisine is influenced by which two cultures? A. Chinese and Brazilian. B, Indian and Brazilian, C, Chinese and Spanish, D, Spanish and Indian. Uh, okay, so let's use logic. Hmm? Shall, shall we? Um, so, uh, okay, well, I'm gonna guess probably Chinese. They're, like, close-ish to China, and then uh it was what was it so it was the chinese and spanish what were the other options do you want the the chinese specific ones or all the other options the chinese specific ones because i'm gonna i'm gonna say i heard it a couple times so i'm gonna say i think china is one of the legit ones now i gotta pick the other ones so it's either chinese and brazilian or chinese and spanish why would it be okay was this colonialism 101 what were the spaniards up to i mean they touched a lot of different things so i'm gonna guess (laughs) spain we touched a lot of different things pretty sure that's on their flag (laughs) um okay so yeah i'm gonna go with spain and china oh that's a flag of the run that is correct yes oh my god you logic it out liana i am proud Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> logic, I guess. I think it just got lucky. All right. Which street food is skewered on a bamboo stick for uh, people in the Philippines to enjoy? A. Balut. B. Isaw. C. Fish or squid balls. D. Quack quack. Ooh, what is quack quack? Uh, quick, quick. I guess I better <laughs> look up what this is. So, so obviously, balut speaks for itself. Uh, Issa is made from barbecued pig or chicken intestines. Uh, quick, quick is a tempura like food made by deep frying orange batter covered hard boiled eggs. And fish balls or squid balls, they're, they're just sort of like, um, sort of like ground up fish or squid, more formed to the shape of a ball on deep fried. Okay, so if it's skewered, I'm going to say it is, what was the second one? Isa? Usa? How do I say it? Uh, Isa, yeah. Isa. Okay, I'm going to go with that one. That is correct. Yes. Look at this picture now. It actually looks pretty good. I mean, that sounds really good. Yeah, I could go for some street food. Uh, Street food is the best food. Doesn't matter where you are. For some reason, like any food that's just made on the street, it just somehow is like automatically delicious. Though I will say, like, I do not really I don't really dip into Greek food because the very first time I had a hero or gyro or whatever the heck you want to call it, um, I accidentally ate the paper along with it. Mm. So I just have a bad memory. With it. 
I thought you were like, oh yeah, it was like a bad one. And but like, no, it was a user error issue yeah. where Mike somehow ate the paper. Like, yeah, no, 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 it wasn't something that was prepared. It was just I did something very <laughs> stupid and I ate the paper along with it. And so now you stay away from Greek food for something that is well, your fault. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, what if I eat the paper again? Like what? <laughs> once, yeah. once is enough. Twice in my lifetime, count me out. That's like, oh no! I stay away from little appetizers with the sticks in them because I might eat this stick. Also, yeah, man, yeah. Now I can't eat Isak, and I'm afraid I'm going to eat the stick. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's it's challenging, Mike. I get it. All right, final question here: uh, What children's game is referred to in English as "quote try to cross my line without letting me touch or catch you"? Is it A. Patintero, B. Tagawan, C, Tumbeng Preso, or D, Luxong Baka. Okay, well, well Tukbang Preso is a fantastic phrase and word. I don't know what it means, but that's what I'm going to guess. Uh, I'm sorry, it is Patintero. Oh. oh, well, yes, of course. Is it like Red Rover? Like Red Rover, yeah, Red so Rover, I'm let Mike looking come this over. Up. Because uh, I'm looking at, uh, of course, I'm looking at this on the always respected Angel Fire website, which I did what? not know was still around. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Potentero. Let's take a look, because I do believe. Let's see. Um, so a team is composed of five players and a coach. The official of this game is the score time, blah, blah, blah. So basically they have to basically it's like you have to yeah it's like it's it's like a red rover where one person tries to run over and the other four people are like linebackers and try to essentially <laughs> guard the person from getting over okay so yeah it's sort of similar but they don't have to hold hands they just tackle the person <laughs> yeah it seems it seems more hardcore yeah. what if this was the reward challenge instead of swimming out and, and getting the buoys yeah that's what they should have done instead Oh my god! Could you imagine, like, I don't know, these people getting bodied? I feel like this, this, the team that won would not have won considering they had like Pete and Carter on one team. They would just completely decimated the other part, the other group. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I really don't think that that reward group would have won. I mean, I guess they have Malcolm and Denise, I suppose, but still. Yeah, Denise could get under, I suppose. Like maybe Denise could have like Bugs Bunnyed it and dig underneath everybody and then pop up. <laughs> She's gonna dig. <laughs> yeah, like underneath, and then get get under to the other side, and then pop up. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't realize that that was an option because you could dig so fast through the sand, but you never know. You never know exactly. Well, congratulations, Leon. I think you proved to yourself and to the audience you know actually a good amount about the Philippines, albeit. Maybe a bit randomly and by accident, but there are no coincidences here on the BNB. That's right. That's right. And if you enroll in university BNB or BNB University, if you enroll in the BNB University, you too can have the unearned confidence to guess correctly in random quizzes about nations you know very little about. Yeah, you, you can learn a lot about volcanoes too. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what we're known for. Exactly. We're done for uh, random games and and volcano knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, actually, speaking of the immunity or the reward challenge, I actually had a question about the immunity challenge because I thought this was so weird, and I wanted to get your take on this concept or like what they do in Survivor, where essentially you have people like get through heats and then they slowly get eliminated mm -hmm. down to like less and less people. This one was so weird because it was like they did a whole thing. 
And then only three people. It wasn't like tiered. It was just like they all got to go through this whole process. Like just build like four more tables and let everybody else do the puzzle. I wrote in all caps, lame. Because I thought it was lame. And I think everybody should get the chance to do a puzzle. Like, I get it that you want to reward people for, like, doing well at different par- like parts and challenge. But still, I don't know. So I've decided I'm over that, like, tiered thing of, like, eliminating people. I think everyone should just get a chance to do it. To that point, though, I feel like they have not done that recently. At least maybe there's, there's a glaring uh, difference that I'm thinking of. But I do feel like this was sort of the era when they played that out. And it, it, this instance was not even as bad as if you remember a couple episodes from now in Philippines, Abby Maria is going to win an auction reward, which basically says oh, yeah. skip to the end of the challenge, right? Where it was the last like three people compete at the end and she had a spot reserved there. So it's very clear. And maybe it was that reason that they're like, okay, let's stop doing this. Cause yeah, I, I think that coupled with when they moved to Fiji permanently, they're like, OK, we can sort of figure out how to build, you know, seven or eight stations at once. So we don't have to winnow people down after every round. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think if I would rather have more challenges where they just have to stand there or challenges where people get eliminated because the standing there challenges do eventually get boring. Like, of course, we get some really great moments out of those challenges. I'm especially thinking of the one where you hold your hands like up over your head, not the one with the bucket, although that mm-hmm. one is also good. But the one that like when Chris, uh, uh, Christian Hubicki had like his thing and like Natalie tried to spit right. and spit on herself for some reason that challenge stands out to me like that one can stay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, not like I really want for challenges all that much anyway, but still. No, well, I think, like you said, I think this was an instance that paid off greatly in terms of story, right? Where the entire time the lead up was Jonathan Penner has to win immunity or Jonathan Penner is going home. And so it pays off really well that it comes mm-hmm. down to what him, him and Jeff and Pete basically were like, you couldn't think of a more perfect trio of here's the guy who's in danger. Here's the guy who sort of ends up going home because the person who's in danger won. And here's the other guy who sort of ends up being on the chopping block as a result of this. So it ends up working out well, very, very rarely, because to your point, I feel like for every time we've had that, we've had other types of times where this thing has happened and the person who is most vulnerable ends up going out in the first round. And now right. all tension is out of the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think this is a uh, like, if you're going to pick and choose reasons, like why this would be good, it's like, oh, but look at all the inherent drama. And it's like, OK, well, yeah, we got lucky here, potentially, um, or unless it's like super tailored to those people. But anyway, I was just reminded that this existed. But now that you're saying, that, oh, yeah, it's like pretty much kind of run its course, because I'm trying to think of the most recent time I've seen it, apart from, of course, our rewatch that they actually did this kind of like yeah. knock people out as you go. Because that's the thing. Let's also remember that I feel like much like we talked about instead of, you know, the issue is how do you build challenges for 10, 11 people? And I think right. instead of doing this tiered system, now they just do, OK, we'll do endurance challenges because that way we'll be able to build, you know, a dozen stations and not have to worry about eliminating people. So, so it really is sort of which one would you rather? Uh, and I don't know. I personally, it's tough because I, I would rather see people in motion, especially if we have to keep getting endurance challenges time after time, episode right. after episode. But you also bring up a good point that I'd say once in a blue moon, does the drama work out in a perfect way where, OK, the person who was guaranteed to go home doesn't get eliminated in the first round and completely take any tension out of the room by the time they reach that final round. Yeah, exactly. OK. All right. 
if you if you're gonna make me pick, which I know you're not, but I'm making me pick, I think I would still probably pick. As much as I am complaining about the narrowing down, I think I'd rather have that over endurance challenges. They're just so boring. <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus, you get fun moments like you know Penner and scooping it coming down to like a nose with them diving across the finish line, and at least they're doing other things you know it's it's not just do one thing the entire time they had to what i untie the bag and even the this seems pretty bare bones right i feel like usually these these tier challenges are like two or three rounds this was like untie the bags and then do the snake puzzle and that's it yeah that's why i think i saw, thought it was lame because it was like they did all of this work it was like and then they went through like several stops or something it was like yeah untie the bag jump, go over jump over like untie the bag over under collect all these bags you do essentially the entire challenge except for the puzzle and that's like okay psych but only three of you get to actually do it so that's why i said it was lame but I will say really fun moment from Penner. I think when you say, you know, oh, this usually doesn't happen unless the challenge is tailored for them. I mean, it is crazy to think that he ends up winning here, considering that this is the first and I believe only challenge individually <laughs> yeah. that he ever won in his survivor career. So I guess it really does show like when there's a fire under your ass, you deliver when push comes to shove my ass. <laughs> yeah, but first when, when the fire under my ass. <laughs> yeah that is still one of my favorite things like if you think about things that are sort of like ongoing throughout survivor history like penner yelling at jeff probes like yelling back at him i think it's just it's just so funny it always makes me laugh it's like never like uh, completely overt uh, you know i guess except for the time where uh it's like what is jeff probes doing his commentary he's like and penner getting frustrated by me <laughs> yeah because uh penner because jeff was like uh you know raro falling behind and he goes oh please like What's that, Jonathan? I said, oh, please, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good. I like continuing jokes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some more talk about this wackadoo tribal council. And as is the case, usually with crazy tribal councils here on the B&B, I decided to trot out an old chestnut here before or after. So, Liana, let's see how closely you were paying attention to what happened during this tribal council. And let's start at the very beginning, because we got to start with a once upon a time Miss Survivor, R.C. St. Amour, doing her uh, pageanty walk into Tribal Council as the first member of the jury. When R.C. walks in as a juror, does Jonathan Penner say, right on, before <laughs> or after Abby scowls at her? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, this is one of the downsides of watching it so far in advance. I I'm going to go with before i'm sorry at least from the edited version he says it after uh actually abby is one of the first people that they cut to as soon as rc walks in because obviously uh they did not end things on good terms apparently they are still not on good terms if you read her twitter over the past couple of weeks but uh yeah and it's very funny because again penner was the only person who sided with rc last time and so he gives a nice ride on to the fact that she walked in because he is safe as sunshine tonight <laughs> what is yo i'm just trying to think of like is that would you be if you were on the jury and you walked into tribal council like what would be the phrase you would either want to hear or not want to hear like where does right on <laughs> fall like for me i feel like it falls in the, like not category right because you're like mm -hmm. yeah dude like i'm on the jury right on well i guess it also depends on uh, like do you want everyone to be impressed with your glow up though right because that could also oh. be a reference of, like right on like 
looking good. I know it sounds a little creepy, uh, but I mean, like, that's one of the things I'm, if, you know, despite being crushed by a juror, like if you want somebody to be like, I chihuahua, then it made me feel a little better about myself. <laughs> no, it would be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like with the eyes like popping out of the head. Oh, like, gazonga, yeah, gazonga. Yeah. <laughs> Your jaw drops to the floor. Yeah, heart's like beating out of its chest. Yeah, that's that's gonna be my plan if i'm ever a survivor player if to curry favor with the jury and every time the jury walks in i'm just gonna like like sit back in my chair and go hachi machi <laughs> woo, woo, hottie <laughs> alert <laughs> all right maybe that's going a bit too far oh, okay <laughs> all right next question uh so malcolm you know, it really like throws things right out there in the beginning about what happened between him and Lisa, which for those of you that, that might not have watched the episode, uh, essentially Lisa last episode found Malcolm's idol in his pants, Ryan Aldrich style. And Lisa decided to turn the target onto Malcolm by telling everyone that he has the idol. So does Malcolm point at Lisa to indicate she was the one who threw him under the bus before or after he says, I put my faith in a little Texas girl and she threw me under the bus pretty hard today. Ooh, OK, I do remember him pointing at her because he had this like sheepish little grin on his face. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he he pointed after he said that, the thing first. That's correct. OK, yes. <laughs> nah, yeah, Achimache. <laughs> Not a thing. Is that a thing? I think it's it like ha cha cha. Well, I think that's more like a, if you're doing like a 23 skidoo. <laughs> oh, that's like the dance move. No, hachimachi is a thing. Oh, okay, okay. I'll tr- I'll trust you on that one. All right. Uh, yeah. This is How not, do you this spell is... that? H a c h i m a c h i. Oh I yeah, because I've because I've written this out before. I'm so sorry. (laughs) All right. Next question. So this all, you know, this all gets revealed that, uh, okay, you know, they, they want to get out scoop in because they want to get rid of the returning players. Does Abby Maria call this entire accusation ludicrous before or after when naming her Alliance members, she neglects to mention Malcolm. (laughs) Oh, um, I think she I'm trying to remember when she listed everybody. I think she called the whole thing ludicrous before. That is correct. Yes, a very fun uh like Jervis-esque moment, blood versus water moment from Abby Maria when she says, you know, Lisa, you were always on the in the you know the inner workings of Tandang. It was me and you and artists and Pete, and then Malcolm mm-hmm. gives the best like a look of okay what uh like okay i mean that's good though it gives you information but yeah a big faux pas there next question does lisa admit to the fact that she was playing both sides before or after malcolm silently holds up his hidden immunity idol oh okay so I have no idea. I'm going to say he holds the immunity idol up silently after. 
Are you saying before? Yes. That is correct. Okay, because I do remember, like, once he holds it up, they, like, go, like, you, it switches away from Lisa, and it, like, goes to Malcolm, because he's, like, got this whole thing where he's, like, oh, I he, like, talks about it for a while. I don't remember what he said, but yeah, he talked about but it for this, a while. It's really funny, though, like, so Lisa's talking, and Lisa has a really interesting POV from this tribal council. First, when Malcolm throws her under the bus, she fully cops to it. She's, like, yep, I'll admit it. I was definitely mm-hmm. targeting Malcolm. And then here, she's, like, yep. I'll admit I was playing both sides, but I was I was loyal to the Tandangs. Like, my God, the brazenness on her. But it also maybe indicates why she didn't win in the end. If like mm-hmm. she is being this outright honest about it, yet trying to preach an honest and loyal game. But there's this really fun moment where Malcolm holds out the idol and Chef Probst just goes, oh, like, yeah. it's just like, oh, OK, well, this is a thing now. Yeah, I love it because if you look back at the history of, you know, oh, when people have taken idols out of their bag, like this one was so funny because Malcolm just like like silently holds it up. He's just like holding it for a little bit. And then eventually Jeff is like, oh, like what? Uh, oh, <laughs> Malcolm's holding up. I didn't even notice idol. that back there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. I need to recognize this. So does Penner talk about how fantastic and awesome this tribal council is before or after Abby Maria decides to show everybody her idol? oh okay i think i remember this one i think he says it after because it's like in response to the insanity that's going on that is correct and god i love this so much because it really does seem like jeff probes like sarcastically says hey if anybody else has an idol why don't you say it and abby take i really think abby took it at face value unfortunately i think it might have been a a cultural you know difference where she's like okay is this the time to do so great i'll say that i have one yeah right because it, like you know not that in that moment jeff is like malcolm what are you doing like you're being dumb but he kind of says it as like all right well i guess it just if you got an idol pull it out and then he's like i like here's mine it's oh, amazing it was idol pull out time okay here's mine <laughs> this is the show and tell i will use this as a yeah. weapon later <laughs> Jeff's like, wow, I can't believe that actually worked. I should do that more often. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, who would have thought the most? But it's, it's a very it feels like a very Boston Rob strategy to just be yeah. like, all right, you know, jump out your bags, get out your idols. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if Jeff could pull that move on new players. Right. We're like, you know, they don't know any better. So you could be like, I have the authority to tell you to dump out your bags now. So everyone must please display their their advantages and put it in the center of the tribal council. That's right. For everyone on display. Uh, oh, my God. He'd get so much hate if he ever did that. But it would be funny to see him try. Speaking of Jeff Probst, does Jeff say, quote, I don't even know what to say myself before we go to the vote before or after Penner tries to corral the Denise Malcolm Jeff Carter scooping crew in front of everybody? Ooh, um, shoot. Uh, I think that Penner tries to corral them first. So is that before? That would be after. After. That is incorrect. Ah. No, that's a being a, a rare thing. Actually, you've seen this a bunch in season 40 again with more of the live travel councils. But Jeff, it seems like Jeff is ready to move on. And Penner's like, all right, let me go for broke here and hold my own forum here. Let's the six of us vote together. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i uh, this is a pretty crazy tribal council i think just in the sheer amount of information that comes out because you know we've been doing this rewatch and especially the early tribal councils are just like so 
veiled like nothing really mm-hmm. happens and this is like uh i have an idol i have an idol i'm playing both sides but i'm really loyal to you hey guys let's all just sit down and vote together like, it's <laughs> yeah. just a mess yeah it really is like so honest and open and maybe this also speaks to like just this cast that maybe everyone sort of was fine with playing out in the open albeit mm-hmm. as sloppily as it was uh so it moves on and you know a bunch of people talk about who might be getting votes that night does Jeff Kent claim that his name has been thrown, quote, under the hat before or after Pete says that he's definitely getting votes tonight? Ooh, um, I think Jeff Kent talks about his stuff after. I think Pete says that he's going to get votes first. That is correct. I just got very tickled by the term under the hat. But again, I can only speak so much with the my glass house with flag of the run of it all <laughs> flag of the run what does that mean so he, that was definitely under the bus or under I mean, the I hat think, i mean i think maybe it was like under the gun uh, oh but basically, but I, yeah maybe it was like mixing up those metaphors because yeah i think throwing someone under the bus is obviously much more graphic and dangerous than throwing someone under a hat you know mm-hmm. throw someone under a hat it just lands on their head and then they have a new hat <laughs> and then they get a noticeable hat and that's a win yeah. Exactly. So in one case, you're sending someone to the hospital. In the other case, free hat, free, free hat. Yes. (laughs) Much like South Park. So does Penner mime an explosion with his hands before or after the aforementioned Jeff Probst quote that this is the most complicated, entertaining tribal council he's ever been to? (sighs) Okay. I remember because he goes boom and we get the subtitles that say boom. Um, but <laughs> Just I, in case people really wanted to know what he was doing. I right. Maybe he was being an underwater volcano. <laughs> Which we've learned is still a volcano. Um, okay, I think Jeff Probst says the quote first because I think it's when they go to vote when he goes, when he go boom. So I don't remember what the order of that you're, was. You're right. But, either way. Okay. Yeah. Mount, Mount Penner goes to explode after Jeff Probe is basically ends the tribal council out being like, this is a freaking mess. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are a mess. Boom. <laughs> Let's go to our voting confessionals here. Does Lisa say in her voting confessional that Jeff Kent was plan D or E before or after Denise says in her voting confessional that it's fantastic to watch Pete's little alliance implode on itself. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Um, shoot. I think I remember Lisa's. I don't remember Denise's. I think Lisa went first. That is correct. Yes, Lisa frantically admits to the camera as much as she said at everyone's face plan B. She said, well, this is a literal last resort. I am throwing something at the wall here. I love that. I love it also because at the beginning of the episode, or not at the beginning, but like pretty early on in the episode, Abby is like, I want Jeff gone. <laughs> and it's like a throwaway line when Pete is trying to corral Abby and is like, oh, Abby the puppy, you know, I gotta like, mm-hmm. you know, do it. And she's like, I want Jeff gone. Guess who goes? Jeff. <laughs> like, maybe she knew. Yeah, maybe she set something up. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Well, what, I'm trying to remember. It's It's because she felt like he was, you know, like getting bossy. in the alliance against them, which Something, was completely know. true because Jeff Ken's plan was after they get rid of Penner and Scoopin was for him to essentially get mm-hmm. with, you know, the other Tandangs to take out the trio. Yeah, like say what you want about Abby, but she had the right read there. 
Yeah, and enough social capital to have two people vote with her. That's right. Yeah. So after the votes are uh, are cast, but not before they are read, do we see Malcolm tapping his idol nervously on his knee before or after Jeff Probst incredulously says nobody's playing their idol? Oh, shoot. Yes, because he's like, all right, you know, he's like all prepared for like everyone to play their <laughs> idols. And then they just the whole group like sits there in silence. It's like when a teacher is like, OK, kids, like, what's the answer? And then the whole class sits there like trying not to make eye contact, just kind of yeah. like looking around being like, just don't call on me. Just don't call on me. Like, please let someone say something. Yeah, but then it would be like if previously someone's like, I know everything about the American <laughs> Revolution. And they're like, OK, great. And uh, what year was the Battle of Hades? Stings. I, just, the, I, I want to throw it specifically to the person who said before that they knew everything about the American Revolution. I would love if, love if you could more clearly see Jeff just like staring daggers at the two of them because I'm pretty sure that's what happened or at least in my mind that's what happened. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, I think the knee tapping happened first and then Jeff said his sassy line. Yes, that is correct. I loved Malcolm also tapping because again, it, you know, it was just off the rice container. It's not a necklace or anything, but it's like he's, I don't know, like playing the spoons like a freaking ham bone player. <laughs> Like, you know, whip out the washboard next. Yeah, exactly. Like, go to Malcolm's Idol Band. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I can't, I can't, we're working on our next hit, so I can't play this sucker just yet. That's right. We got an album to record. All right. Finally, does Malcolm scratch his head in confusion <laughs> before or after the final vote for Jeff Kent comes in? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to guess after. I'm sorry. It was before. Malcolm was really the go-to guy for the gift stuff, this uh, tribal council. Mostly so when the Jeff Kent votes come in and Malcolm is by far the most confused out of everybody to the point where he is much like a cartoon ape, like scratching his head to try to figure out what the hell happened. Yeah, between this tribal council with Malcolm and then last tribal council with Spencer, like I, I would just love to see a compilation of their responses because I think that would be really hilarious. Yeah, we really in like a Malcolm and Spencer react series where like whatever yeah. event survivor and non survivor is going on, the two of them just react completely incredulously and shockingly. Yeah, this is this is why like sometimes I, I so an interaction happens in my life and I'm like, oh, my God, I know the perfect gift for this. But like it's a real life interaction. So like, what do you do? Like, hold up your phone and she's like, guys, this <laughs> like my response is not English or words. It's just this no, what you do it. is you print gifts on business cards and then you like show it to them. <gasps> Yes, but do it with um, you know, okay, so you know how like there's the pictures or like it's a thing where you move and depending on which way it like moves because it's like the ridges and like depending on oh, which yeah, way like you're looking at hologram, it. Hologram, like holographic yeah. cards. Like yeah. pattern, yeah, exactly. It would be like that. So that would be the gift. You like turn it back and forth, you know. Or like a or like a flip book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so when you run into that gifable situation, people take out your flip book <laughs> and just hand it to the person you're talking to. <laughs> And just and they'll be like, what am I supposed to do? You may not make new friends, but you'll definitely lose your old ones. (laughs) Exactly. With your gift flip card flip books. Like, man, you spent too much time on the Internet. Like, Go outside. (laughs) Well, speaking of Jeff Kent, I do want to dope briefly upon his 
final words. And I have several things I want to talk about with this. But before uh, we really deep take a deep dive into it, for those of you that may not uh, remember it or need to be reminded of it, here it is in full. You know what pisses me off? Because I think I've made about $60 million playing baseball. And I want this freaking million dollars in this game. And it's not even a million bucks. It's 600 grand by the time Obama takes it. I'm a Game 7 World Series loser. You know, I've played in the biggest games in the world and the worst games in the world. But this just sucks. There's so much good stuff about it. Obviously, when Rob and I did uh, one of the, in the most iconic final words of all time a few years ago, this was obviously a part of it. The first thing I want to say is I feel like Jeff Ken sticks out for a number of reasons in his final words. I feel like, Liana, it has been so long since we've seen angry final words. Like, we've seen sad final words. We've seen happy final words. We've seen, like, cool and mellow final words. But I can't remember the last time I saw somebody outright pissed in their final words about the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually, you know, there's like I think a, a, the majority of people are like, ah, oh, they got me, you know, like or they're sad because <sighs> these were these were amazing. Like, of course, I remember the thing about Obama taking his money, but the, everything else in it was just um, amazing little gems, especially from the start of, you know, what pisses me off? Yeah. <laughs> like, like this is like this is like a stand up routine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know, yeah, where, where are you? Where are you from? <laughs> you know, he's like trying to go for the hecklers. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you want something funny? <laughs> Your mom? I don't know. <laughs> Will you hear something funny? Game seven, World Series loser. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm a Game Seven World Series loser. This yeah, just sucks. See, that's the thing again. Like you talk about the the anger behind it, but the entirety of the final words is really just Jeff Kent dunking on himself, right? Or I guess I don't know what the baseball equivalent is, striking out on himself, pitching to himself. In that he's really being like, "Yeah, I'm a loser in baseball. I'm a loser in Survivor as well." That's the credo of House Kent. Yeah, the only thing that really is good is that he's made $60 million playing baseball. Apart from that, it's like, you know, I like, but even then, it's still that sentence is still kind of a burn because it's like, yeah, even though I made all of this money playing baseball, like I still wanted this and I sucked at it. So like, what is the 60 million even good for? Because I'm a loser. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And, you know. Maybe he was I think he was trying to talk himself up at the end. Like, it's a really interesting exercise of the monologue, right? Where he's like, you know what? I played in some of the biggest games in the world. Like, look at look at how great I am. But this just sucks. He just brought himself right back down to earth again to end it off. Yeah. Now I'm just picturing, you know, and you're trying to like, okay, let's go through all the complicated emotions that this character is feeling in this moment. Like, you know, we got to go for the highs and the lows. We can't just be one note. We can't just be mad the whole time. We got to go for these valleys. Like, what are you feeling in this moment? Hi, uh, my name is Mike Bloom. Uh, I'm five ten, and I'm, re- I'm and I'm uh, auditioning for the role of Jean Valjean. I prepared a monologue from <laughs> season twenty five, episode eight of Survivor. You know what pisses me off? <laughs> Great. Well, in our acting classes as part of our university, I think this is this is something that we can use. Actually, we can pick a lot of the final words. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Like, like if you want to do something dramatic, you do Rupert so much for my dreams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. That one's a classic. I feel like um, didn't we? There was also another really good one from our rewatch that we we did. Yeah, there was the Hunter one. Yes, the hunter one called the Coast Guard because of the knuckleheads. 
Yes, that's right. That would be another good one, too. Yeah, actually, I'm trying to think of the last time I actually really paid attention to final words. What was like a good because what was the most recent when you did that podcast? What was the most current one that you guys ended up including? I know it was a long time ago. Yeah, we did it a few years ago. The most recent one that we ended up including, I believe, was from season 30, which was Jen Brown just dunking on everybody left in the game. And the cherry on top of it was like they as Jen was talking about the person, they would show the vote for her. So like when she was talking about how Rodney sucks, it would show Rodney voting for her. That's probably the most recent one that we covered, at least in my memory. I can't remember. Maybe there was one from Millennials versus Gen X, but that, that's the one I most recently remember. OK, yeah, that one's pretty good. Because, um, yeah, I'm just thinking of other ones that we could include. There's, uh, it's a classic. It's a great little just platform for you to just go off, say something crazy. You know, it'll get included. Exactly. Um, or if you're Jeff Kent, do your type five, apparently. That's right. Maybe that's what he was going for a career change. He was like, all right, I've done this baseball thing. I've done this survivor thing. How about stand up comedy? Well, listen, if he's in it for the millions, they do not come with stand up comedy. No, that's OK. He's made 60 million dollars playing baseball, so he'll be all right. OK, so I want to get into the game that I've prepared. And I was inspired by a quote from Malcolm from this episode where, of course, we see Penner win immunity, which is the one thing that they, you know, that everybody wanted. Um, he says that going into the immunity challenge, all anyone was talking about was don't let Penner win immunity. And of course, Murphy's law states that that has to happen. Mm. So Murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So co what wrong. Co wrong. <laughs> so what I've done is I've written Murphy's I'm using air quotes laws for some of the players from this season of Survivor. Ooh. So you are going to try to guess it's sort of similar to the game we played with Jordan Kalish last week. You're going to try to guess whose law this is. OK, so your answer must be in that form that this is so and so's law. This is Roxy okay. Morris's law. OK, <laughs> some of these are pretty obvious, but just bear with me. <laughs> go to tribal council once. Go to tribal council always. Uh, that is Denise Stapley's law. Yes, that is correct, which I'm so happy we were able to see that broken, uh, <laughs> even yeah, if it's exactly. very briefly Finally in Winners at War. Took a second season, but she's finally able to not go to tribal council. Yeah, every single time. Okay, let's go on to number two. If you're Nicole's winner pick, you might be in trouble. Ooh, this is fun. Who did Nicole pick? I am going to say that is Pete Yurkowski's law. No, I'm sorry. It was artist. Artist. I know. <laughs> Nicole. I know. Yikes. Um, but anyway, I Pui actually remembered that and I was like, oh yes, that's right. Yikes. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, I mean, she just come off of I think picking Kim. And I actually believe Rob mm -hmm. picked Denise. It's one of the very rare times he ended up picking the winner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Rule number three. Anything that is the Lord is also Jeff. Oh, that is Russell Swan's law, baby. Baby, yes. <laughs> I, am, yeah. I am a little sad. As much fun as the Drew Christie boot was, I'm, I love episode four of Survivor Philippines. It's so unique from any other Survivor episode. And so I'm, I'm grateful we got a little bit of mention of Lord. I mean, Jeff. 
at some point during this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to the Philippines. I had to mention it. It's one of my favorite things from <laughs> that, that season. Um, yeah, I'm sad we also didn't get to talk about it, but he, he's remembered here in, in his very own law. All right. Date me now. Date me later, alligator. <laughs> oh, that's snappy. <laughs> Much like an alligator. <laughs> It's like um, uh, John Ralphio from Parks and Rec, where he's doing his rhymes and then he just yeah. like messes it up at the end. Date me now, date me later, alligator who lives in the sewer. Yeah. Um, date me now, date me later. I mean, I gotta feel like I'm I'm gonna say once again that's Pete Yurkowski's yeah. law. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what about like. Well, now he's dating Michelle. Like, how do I? How do I wrap this in? So we get the Abby and Michelle reference. Wait, is date is me now, he date dating me later. Michelle or was he just trying to, was he trying to do the Hachi Machi on Twitter? The Hachi Machi. I think they're dating. Cause didn't they play like, um, didn't they play some game on PG stream together and they were in the same house or something like that? Did I make uh-huh. that up? I'm pretty sure they're dating. So I'm pretty sure her boyfriend's name is Peter, but I don't think it's Pete Yurkowski. <laughs> okay. Well, well, then it's still his law. We'll just go ahead and cross Michelle's name out and we'll pretend it's someone else. Okay, moving wait, on. Wait, wait, now I'm now I'm intrigued. Now I need to check this out. Wait, was it him? Oh, now I, I'm so intrigued. I think it is. Really? Yeah, you know what? I I think it might be. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. See, I never I never questioned myself. I just assumed it was someone else named Peter. No, I'm really sure. But like, isn't Peter Cassie like on the West Coast? What's he doing? Uh, I maybe he moved. I guess <laughs> so. Wow. We need to employ some gossip columnists to work. For us yeah, to we need to bring back the the B B B and B B and C Survivor Edition. I didn't know that that was I because well, I thought Pete like again he tried to to mac on her on Twitter. I didn't realize that it yeah. worked. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that all along. You, you can't fool me. <laughs> oh my goodness, this blows my mind. My mic is shaken. He did the awuga and it worked. <laughs> Ah, uh, successful Awuga. It's one for a thousand now in its track record. <laughs> okay. So let's get on to our next law. And that is when you're doing laundry, you never know what you might find. Oh, that is Lisa Welch's law. <laughs> yes, that yeah. is correct. Which I believe I just sang the theme song to her new show, Lisa Welch's Law, where she plays a judge. She <laughs> It's like uh, Judge Judy, <laughs> or is Lisa it like a sitcom? She's like, I'll admit, I, I, I do find you guilty, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you innocent. I just wanted to let you know that, though. First off, right? Uh, okay. If you want to solve your problems, don't waste your energy yelling at Jeff. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is Jonathan Penner's law. <laughs> yeah, to which <laughs> Puya said, Penner, I hardly know her. <laughs> Ugh. dude uh all right actually no that's 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 not uh sultry at all it's like pen her like write her 
Yeah, like write her a letter, you know, yeah, correspondence, that, that kind of that thing. That would be a response when you're like, okay, you must write a letter to our dearest Aunt Penner. And it's like, Penner, I hardly know her. I've never met this aunt before. There you go. All right. If you quit cigarettes right before Survivor, you might be in cig regrets during Survivor. Sin regrets or cig regrets? Cig regrets. Okay, first off, uh, I want to now put a formal petition on change.org to change the name of cigarettes to cig regrets. I think that it's going to bring down the level of smokers worldwide substantially if you call them cig regrets, because that is incredible pun work. That, of course, is a night's law. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I was, wasn't it. sure where that was going because it was it sounded a little bit like a, a blue collar comedy tour joke. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to lie. These started to turn into you might be a redneck kind of jokes after a you while. You might be Zane Knight. Uh, Jeff Kent is shook. He's like, I want to be on that tour. The Jeff yeah. Kent comedy tour. Oh, no. Yeah, That's just his phrases. You know what pisses me off? You know what? But yeah, exactly. That's how he starts every set or something like that. You know what pisses me off? Okay. <clears throat> well, Always, this is our next law. Always remember the three C's: cuddles, cookies, and proper cup size. Oh, ooh, that is Angie Layton's law. Yes, indeed. I was um, when I started writing these, I just wrote down like a couple of bullet points, like what I knew about Angie, and hers was literally cuddles, cookies, and boobs. And then I was like, hmm, CCB doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, no, that sounds like a defunct frozen yogurt chain or something. <laughs> You don't want to go there. No, definitely not. Uh, yeah, see, that's what I meant about like everyone has a role to play on this season. That like third boot Angie Layton had three things that we knew about her. Right. <laughs> At least I could come up with some bullet points. All right. If you're gonna take a ride, don't pick the tricycle. Gonna take a ride. Don't pick the tricycle. I wasn't <laughs> planning on it. Okay, let's think about this. Riding a tricycle. See, I'm, I'm thinking back to Ryan Ulrich because he was the one who came up with that tricycle metaphor. Um, what can you read one more time? If you're gonna take a ride, don't pick the tricycle. I'm gonna go with. Uh, is that? Don't go. So it's got to be somebody who flips on that trio. Is it? Is it Michael Scoopin's law? No. So I went with RC for this one because she okay. was sort of in that like triad with Pete and Abby, and and I think they called it a tricycle at some. Look, it's been a while since I watched the season, but that's what I remember. Okay, well, maybe RC, like an RC car, like yeah. doesn't need a tricycle if you're, it's a remote controlled car. Sure, that's what I was going You know, that, that hit phrase, you don't need a tricycle and you have a remote controlled car. Everybody knows that one. It's a classic. All right, next law. When you go on Survivor, go on, girl, give us nothing. <laughs> Woof. Go on, girl, give us nothing. Uh, is that Dana Lambert's law? <laughs> it could be, but no, I had Carter in mind. Oh, Carter. I have a soft spot in my heart for Carter because people who follow our Survivor South Africa coverage know that, like, if there is one character type I always love on Survivor, it's the doofs. 
And I do feel like Carter could walk so Doral could fly in a manner of speaking. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I always kind of think of him as like CGI Brett 2.0 is like kind yeah. of who he always reminds me of. But um, yes. OK, next law. When oh, if you're in doubt, just social. Oh, that is Abby Maria's law. Yes. Purple. Purple. <laughs> Uh, uh, so good so, so many great moments she's great between, between making final threes here uh in this season and also with jerry members and sequester like this that is her subject that's her pokemon i mean yeah she she could be a professor here at bmbu yeah exactly <laughs> and it'd be really easy to get her through security because we can just very sarcastically say like if there's anything bad do you want to show us and she'll do it right up front that's right. Yeah. It's just like, OK, yeah, sure. Let me take everything out of my bag. All right. We got a couple more. If you play three times, you might get laughed at. Oh, then that's Michael Scoopin's law. No, wait, what? He didn't play three times. That's that's Malcolm Freeberg's law. Yes. <laughs> that's a reference to you. No. If you play three times, you might get laughed at. That's how that does sound like a Jeff Kent comedy tour joke. <laughs> if you play three times, you might get laughed at. <laughs> That's actually, I mean, it makes sense, right? That's a good amount of coverage that you can on screen. So there's probably a laugh or two that'll get in there at some point. Yeah, I'm realizing that these, like, by the end, all starting to take the exact same form. <laughs> if you're gonna take a ride. Well, don't pick the tricycle. <laughs> well, yeah, we say it all the same way. Okay, fine. Here's the last one. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, it's not funny. Um, any money that can be taken, oh, will be taken. <laughs> that Barack Obama's law. <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> the other competitor on uh, on Survivor Philippines. Uh, that was, of course, yes, Jeff Kenslaw, the classic Jeff Kenslaw. Um, the other one I had for Malcolm, which I wanted to read, was "Ain't No Thang Intentional Matt Sang." <laughs> Wait, so is it like referring to intentional Matt Sang as a subject, or is it just saying like "It ain't no thing"? There'll be an intentional Matt Sang. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> just like "Ain't No Thang Intentional Matt." <laughs> oh my god no sig regrets from this game whatsoever that was so much fun oh my god that was so stupid uh great great time well, well spent. these well, are all yeah these are all rules we hope of course not to break this is going to be part of the, the 10 plus commandments that get inscribed on the bnb right yes of course this the new um uh what's his face rules uh teacher super peppy yeah ron Clark, you know super peppy teacher <laughs> so, you know what maybe that's a game that we should play which is like describe the survivor <laughs> like, yeah if we should play honestly like that'd be fun to do like a game of celebrity but with survivor players yeah that would be fun what's that what was that meme that was going around for all the while that was like describe the, your favorite movie in the most boring way possible Ooh, I don't know. get, get out that? the flip book let me see uh what what yeah you get the the, remember the conversation we had like 20 minutes ago about the gift flip books oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
yeah sorry I was just oh my gosh um, okay. and it's okay when as soon as we talked about islands you zoned out for the next hour and a half I know like you Liana I'm sorry this isn't about islands I don't care about this it's just a <laughs> flag of the run podcast of how course. many volcanoes uh, well to finish things off as we talked about the past few weeks we've always ended the podcast highlighting a charity and it makes so much sense with, uh, you know, covering an episode that is really so much about Jonathan Penner to cover the charities that uh, were very informatively and delicately highlighted this past Survivor season. Of course, Yul Kwan came on wanting to, you know, help spread awareness of ALS, which has afflicted Jonathan's wife, Stacey Title. And, you know, there was a PSA that came out from it, a beautiful scene about it as well. And Survivor came out with a page. Uh, about the had a video from Jonathan and Stacy and talked about ways to donate. So I implore people, please join the fight against ALS. Go to ALS ALSA dot org slash survivor. That takes you right to the page where you can donate. You can donate once or you can donate monthly. Uh, whatever you don- donate is going to be split amongst the ALS Association, the Sean M. Healy and AMG Center for ALS and Compassionate Care. ALS and these all work to do the resource towards hopefully curing the world of ALS one day and also treating those like Stacy who are afflicted with ALS. So I know that obviously it was very big in the spotlight a few months ago, but considering how penner heavy this episode is, but we thought it would be a great opportunity to highlight uh, a very, very great cause from a great survivor contestant. Yeah, I'm so happy that Survivor did that. And um, and I think like you all, when he talked about his deep dive, like, like, I just want to play for charity. Like, I'm, like, I wish that he had won for many reasons. Um, but I think, you know, if like if if Yule's not going to win, we can at least take some time to talk about this again, even though, you know, like the great work that Survivor did by putting this out into the forefront. Let's do it again. And uh, and every little bit helps. Yeah. So again, that is ALSA.org slash Survivor. That's going to be your quick link to be able to donate whatever you want. And that's going to do it for the B&B this week. Next week, we are coming back with a guest. It'll be TBD, but hopefully it'll be a a new voice coming to the B&B here as we are going back in time once more. We're actually going to stay on the returnee train to a season that also features Jonathan Penner, but an episode that does not. And we're going back to the Well of Merge episodes. As for our episode nine next week, we're going to episode nine of Survivor Micronesia, Fans versus Favorites, also known as I'm in Such a Hot Pickle, but more famously known as the infamous It's an Effing Stick episode the fans and favorites truly come together we're going to talk about everything dabu jason siska versus ozzy and of course the aforementioned stick that sent everyone into fits of giggles both on and off the island i'm sure there is a lot that we are going to get into but i'm excited to go to one of the most heralded survivor seasons of all time in survivor micronesia next week to cover I'm in such a hot pickle. But we want to play your games as well. Special thanks to John John, for example, for sending us uh, his game to let us know a bit more about the Philippines. If you have ideas for games, tweet them to us. Hashtag RHAPBNB. Email them to us. RHAPBNB at gmail.com. And let us know what, what you want us to do, whether it could be based around Survivor Africa 
survivor or just i don't know the world at this point we are open to literally everything and anything we may have determined some laws of survivor players but our books are practically unwritten at this point liana what else do you have going on in the pot sphere while all this is happening on the bnb Yes. So you can find me on Twitter at Liana RHAP. I'm currently podcasting about a drag race. So RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars season five uh, is getting down to our top three. So I think that we're only going to have eight episodes, which is going to be insane. But anyway, we're wrapping that up and then also doing Canada's drag race coverage. So I think right now we're doing them combined because we're only going to have like a couple weeks overlapping. And then we're going to continue on with Canada's drag race because it's been so incredible incredibly fun like such a fun season um and so that is what i am up to yeah and i actually heard that canada's drag race is going to be coming to logo after all stars five ends it'll be a little bit behind but i know a lot of people have been looking for ways to watch and that's that's one that will if you have a subscription will be able to come to your feeds albeit a bit behind but you'll be able to enjoy a lot of the great stuff going on yeah the other thing too if you're looking to watch is wow presents plus mm-hmm. is something that's new i didn't even know about it until um someone told me but it's like four bucks a month they're doing a week of free trial so like check it out if you like the tone of the first couple episodes i think you'll really enjoy the season and then you get to like do your free trial trial whatever but it's a it's a really inexpensive way to watch the season and you get a bunch of other content too so this is, i'm not sponsored by wow presents plus it's just a cool <laughs> option i promise all right and you can always follow me at a mike bloom type had an absolutely spectacular recap of tough as nails for week two slash episode three because the man the myth the legend the host and creator of tough as nails phil kogan came onto the podcast and talked to us. It was, I say, with absolutely no sarcasm whatsoever, sorry, Abby, that it was one of the highlights of my year so far. Phil is so enthusiastic and so enlivened about not only the show, but podcasting and talking with us about our thoughts about the show. It was an incredible conversation. I still pinch myself that I got to talk with Phil freaking Kogan and got to see the eyebrow from the amazing race on video and everything. So be sure check that out. We had about an hour plus with Phil and then we, we wrapped up a bit of loose ends with myself, Jessica Lee's and Rob Sesternino. And then, uh, you know, otherwise uh, the lost down the hatch podcast and top chef podcast came out this week as well. I was not on them because I was moving, but be sure to check out all the great work those people are doing. I will be on with Josh and Kevin Mahadeo getting back into the brand steel of it all to do survivor Marvel civil war. See how that plays out. And I'll also be joining the Survivor Specialist to do a special podcast. It'll be out by the time that this podcast drops. But we will have gone together this past Sunday night to do a season or draft a season of old school, middle school and new school players uh, to hopefully come to our school, the B&B University, and, you know, see see who needs to get educated where. But that should be fun. They're a great duo. And I'm excited to to be their tricycle, as it were. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. The uh, I just want to go back to the tough as nails interview they did. Like Jessica Lee described, I haven't listened yet, but I'm super excited. Described it as like Phil came in as a ten, and he's somehow getting higher. Like uh, that was like the best review I could have ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, I would say even if you don't, even if you haven't checked out the show so far, which I would say check it out at least. I mean, listen, 
what else is there to watch right now in terms of new content? Like it's out there. It's fun. But again, I, w- I would encourage, even if you haven't watched the show, just check out the interview with Phil and hopefully he'll convince you to at least check out the show. Because again, this, this the enthusiasm he has for this and also for throwing shade at us for making mistakes on the podcast is second to none. So I cannot wait for more tough as nails coverage as well as other stuff moving forward including the BNB. We're going to be back next week covering more Survivor with guest TBD. Cannot wait for that. This has been the highlight of the summer so far. And so even though my location has changed, my attitude stays the same, which is I love traveling through time with Liana Boris. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes. Paul Osselson for everything he does. And Wolverham America for his fantabulous theme song. We'll be back next week covering more Survivor with a special guest. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name.